In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's always a brave and courageous soul who is willing to be the lector on Pentecost Sunday. So this week, or this year, of course, it was Bruce who was that brave soul. And he did his duty well. Because the person reading the scripture on Pentecost has to cover a whole list and a whole mouthful of ancient nationalities. Right? Acts tells us that on that first Pentecost there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, Cretans, and Arabs. Right? It's a mouthful. But it's the case here that all of these nationalities that are identified, most of which we would need an encyclopedia to be able to find on a map, are not incidental. They're not extra details in the story. We have to have them. They're actually central to what the Pentecost story is all about. When the Holy Spirit descended on the apostles, it says they all began to speak in other languages and each person gathered there in Jerusalem from all of these nations heard the apostles talking about Jesus Christ in their own language. And that's the point. That's why all the nationalities are listed. In the diversity of the crowd there that day, there is one common gospel. There is one common good news for all people everywhere. And that is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. In the diversity of the world, the Holy Spirit is creating unity through that gospel. And so the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is a kind of reimagining and a retelling of the story of Babel from Genesis 11. You'll remember that story that at the Tower of Babel, all men spoke one language. And together, they believed that they could build a tower to heaven. In other words, they believed that collectively, they could reach God and be as powerful as God. So in the story, God punishes their pride and scatters them into different tribes, where they then begin to speak in different languages, no longer united. But what happens at Pentecost is a reversal of that story. God now descends to all humanity. And he makes them all one people with one gospel. Though they are scattered throughout the world and they speak different languages, God preserves that diversity of the people, but he also brings unity to them through one good news. The crowds in Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost were amazed at what they had witnessed. And together they ask, what does this mean? I'm always struck by that verse because it's such a great Lutheran question. If you remember your days back in Confirmation, you'll remember that the small catechism is based around that question. What does this mean? And so our confirmands have spent several months in the catechism looking at precisely that question. What does this mean? But here in Acts 2, we're encouraged to ask that question. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit has descended in this way. And St. Peter gives us an answer. He points to the day as a fulfillment of what was written by the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. 
even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, God is making his church out of people from every station of life, every race, every ethnicity, male, female, rich, poor, young, and old, all are now made into the people of God by faith that's given to them by the Holy Spirit. Out of this diversity comes unity. And God does not eliminate the differences of his people. All the different languages still exist. But God brings together very different people into one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And because of this, we acknowledge that each member of the church is gifted uniquely as they are in their own kind of diversity to serve Christ. St. Paul explains this vividly and memorably in 1 Corinthians when he writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given a measure of the Spirit for the common good, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another knowledge according to the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing, another working miracles, another prophecy, another discernment, another tongues, another interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit, which allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. As Christians, we are individual believers. We each have a faith of our own. We have our own strengths, we have our own gifts, our own personalities, our own experiences. And through all of these, we love and serve God as individuals. But it's always important to remember that we do not have a solitary faith. We have an individual faith, but it's not a solitary faith. Because in our individuality, we are brought together as one through the work of the Holy Spirit. Together, we march under one banner, the banner of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Together, we are given one mission, to proclaim the forgiveness of sins to those who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Together, we have one calling to bear one another's burdens. Out of our diversity, God makes unity. And so this is the message I have for our confirmands, Abby and Riley, this morning. Right, that God has claimed each of you. God has saved each of you in your individual talents, your personalities, your gifts. God has redeemed you. And God wants you to be you. He did not redeem you to become someone else. He redeemed you to be Abby and to be Riley. He marked you as his own at your baptism so that you would forever know that he will forever pour out his grace and mercy into you. And above all, you are his child. And with you, he desires to share everything that is good and true and beautiful in creation. 
God loves you as individuals with an individual faith. But in your confirmation this morning, you're asked to remember one important thing. You indeed have an individual faith, but you are part of something bigger than yourself. The Spirit of God who hovered over the waters on the first day of creation is the same Spirit who came to you in the waters of your baptism, and is the same Spirit who even now grows your faith in your heart. You are marked forever by God. This means that your life always has meaning, your life always has purpose. So much in the world will try to convince you otherwise, but it's not true. In God, your life always has purpose, and it always has meaning. Your life is always worth more than you will ever know, because you are God's beloved. And as God's beloved, you are ever, you're forever part of what God is doing in this world. God even now is using you to bring out his purpose in this world. Through you, God is sharing his love for all of creation. And so you are indeed Abby and Riley, children of God, marked at your baptisms, given that name after your baptisms. But you are never just Abby and Riley, because you are first and foremost children of God. And you will never be alone in this world, because the Spirit of God has marked you. And he has promised that he will never leave you in this world. Amen.